You're listening on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. And happy 4th of July to all of our American friends, listeners, fans. We can just let this play out. This is great. Big show today as we roll through the continued John Tavares love. What it means. Now what do we do? Where do we build from here? Because we got Tavares... We got Matthews, we got Kadri, we got Mar- You can stack it. But what about the missing pieces now? Okay, JVR, is 36 goals, gone. Tyler Bozak, who was on Landsberg in the morning today, gone. Are there some Toronto Marlies after their epic run winning the Calder Cup? Can they step up? Is it time for the youth movement and really get that cycle, that spin going, that Worked for Babcock in Detroit, and that the Maple Leafs are now going through their farm system. What Marlies might be able to step up this year and make an impact. So I'm going to talk with Scott Wheeler. Covers the Marlies and the Maple Leafs for the Athletic Toronto. That will be at 11.30. Go over uh, the John Tavares signing as well. What that means and the options for the big club. Then 11.45, Josh Lewenberg, our TSN 1050 Raptors reporter. All excuses are gone now. LeBron... To the Lakers, Boogie Cousins to the Warriors. Everything's about the West. What about the East? So many people are dumping on the super team angle and all that. I think what's getting lost is that the Eastern Conference could be a lot of fun this year. It's wide open. The last four years, it's been predetermined the two teams in the finals. Golden State, Cleveland. Now, it's still probably Golden State in the West. But in the East, it's wide open. Can the Celtics get healthy? If so, are they the ones that are going to finally make it? What about Philly? They're growing. They're young. Washington's floating around. The Raptors, of course. Where do the Raptors stack up? And what do they need to do? Because all these other teams, they're adding pieces, adding big names. Raptors aren't built like that. They don't operate like that. They are truly that old-school team build. They will win as a total unit. No big superstars coming. Kawhi Leonard ain't coming here. No major megastar is coming to Toronto. So it's still built on the core of Lowry, of DeRozan. And Messiah Jiria said, hey, we're open for business. We're looking to trade. But where if LeBron stayed, you might have been able to make the argument maybe the Raptors need to reset, not rebuild, reset, and go in a different direction. Now the window's busted wide open. you got to go now. I don't know about you, Raptors fans. I'm tired of being patient. I'm tired of the slow build. I think it was the right move. I think Masai's done a great job. But enough slow brewed coffee. I want instant. Okay, boil the water. Pop in the coffee grinds. Let's go. Make it. Instant success this year. What are they going to do? What can they do? What can the Raptors do? You brought back Fred Van Vliet. That's the big signing. That's a nice piece. But what else can be done to truly have the Raptors be playoff threats? We've had the fun of the regular season. You won the East. And for this franchise, let's not underrate what finishing first, what winning the Eastern Conference as far as during the regular season as the one seed means to this franchise. Okay, we've broken win records, won division titles, now finished first. Those are significant accomplishments for a franchise that by national media in the U.S. is still in Siberia on the outside. No, no, no. 
it's legit, and those are significant. But now we're at the point, and this is a great problem to have as a Raptors fan, now we want to do it in the playoffs. Just getting there, regular season, fun, cool. What, 59 wins? All right. Now we need playoffs. Not the second round, not the first round. Conference finals, finals, get there. Because as much as people say, okay, it doesn't matter who gets to the wet, who gets to the finals, the Warriors will beat them. Well, if they're healthy, yeah, that probably will happen. But you're one Steph Curry rolled ankle away. You're one Kevin Durant bonking his head off of something away from having a shot. So you just got to get there and then let the cards fall where they may. That's what we'll go over with with Josh Lewenberg. Where do the Raptors come out when it comes to the playoffs? Can anything be done of note? Or is it just going to be kind of the patchwork and you kind of roll with the same group now under Nick Nurse, right? New, Kind of a new voice there with the assistant. What's the actual impact that a new coach can have with an established group from a guy who's already there? It's not like it's really a brand new voice. They know Nick Nurse. So are the Raptors due for a regression? We're moving forward. Go over that with J. Lou at 11.45. At high noon, Gregor Chisholm, MLB.com Blue Jays reporter. I haven't talked to Gregor in a while. Uh, some good news for the Blue Jays with Marco Strada. His uh, x-rays came back negative when they checked out the left hip soreness. So what does an injury to Estrada mean for his trade value? Because at the deadline, if this Jays management front office, if they're honest with themselves, and if they're going to do what's right for this team and the fan base, it's you got to blow it up, man. It's done. It's done. Okay, You had a nice, nice little run. I don't think you went all in enough. Last year or the year before when you were still in the window, didn't do enough. But it's done now. Hey, it was fun. Got the bat flip. Hooray. Now you got to start again. These guys are old. Get what you can now and try for a quick rebuild. And then, you know, you wait for Vladdy Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, the rest of the guys, whoever might be ready to come up and be the next wave of great ones. But what does that injury to Marco Estrada mean to his trade value? Because it's going to be Estrada, Hap. Boy, you would have said Donaldson, but who knows? It's going to happen there. And maybe a couple of others. But you need these guys at their peak efficiency to be able to get some sort of haul. Now, with the x-rays coming back negative, that's obviously good. And now, if he doesn't miss a start or he misses one just to be safe, not really a big deal. Right? Not really a big deal. That's going to be okay. And then at 12.30, some NFL conversation with Andrew Garda from Pro Football Weekly and... A little bit of help on prepping for your fantasy football draft, which will be here before we know it. So Andrew Garda at 12.30. We also have a poll question. You can follow me on Twitter at AndyMC81. The poll question is listed at TSN 1050 Radio. It is. Talking Raptors. With LeBron James out of the East, what are your expectations for the Raptors next season? What are your expectations? Is it to get to the NBA Finals? Is it Conference Finals? Or... Is it what we've been seeing for the last few years? And that's an early playoff exit. And if you think they're going to win the title, God bless you. Hooray. Yes. I'm with you. Good. I hope so. I didn't put that as an option because right now it doesn't seem realistic. But if you want to vote or at tweet us there, sure. Dream big. Why not? Hey, we can be new thinking Toronto. We got Tavares, man. Anything's possible. 
Right. But how are you voting here? NBA Finals, Conference Finals, early playoff exit. What are your expectations? Let's go behind the glass, talk to our guys here. Uh, DJ extraordinaire, Keith Bauer. You know I love me some Bruno Mars there, Keith. Yeah, I, uh, when I first started playing Bruno Mars for you a couple of years ago, I wasn't too happy about it, but um, I've, I've slowly adjusted. He's, and he's just, just, I've, I've just accepted it. You know what? It, it's one of those guys where at first you're like, I don't want to like Bruno Mars, and then every damn song is good. Can't help it. Anyway, uh, how do you vote on our Twitter poll question of your expectations for the Raptors now that LeBron's out of the East? Because, Keith, excuses are gone. You can't lean on the LeBron thing anymore. So Raptors next year with Nick Nurse, what are you expecting? I think I expect something similar to what they did last season. I do think the Celtics and 76ers will take that next step. Um, I mean, the Celtics were already a better team without arguably their two best players in Kyrie Irving and Gordon yeah. Hayward. But um, no, I mean, it's it's tough to say. I think it's still there's still a lot that needs to happen in this Raptors offseason before we can get kind of a true, um, I guess, just a true idea of what they're all about. I still think one of Ibaka, Valanciunas, um, DeRozan, and Lowry are going to be gone. So... I'd say, to, I'm going to say top three in the East, but um, I, I reserve the right to change that opinion once uh, and, and once that, something happens. And then playoff time, though. Early exit, like, same idea pretty much, like first or second round? I, it, it depends who they match up against. Yeah. It really does. And, and, now, and now, though, you don't have to worry about LeBron. Okay, so Keith is saying similar. There is still a lot to be done. My question then becomes, okay, if you move an Ibaka, a Valanciunas, whatever, what are you replacing them with? Because if it's just another guy or a piece and not someone who is going to make a dramatic improvement, then are you really making yourself more competitive in the Eastern Conference against the Bostons, the Phillies? Heck, don't forget about the Bucks. They're a sleeper too. It is going to be tough. So what are you doing, Masai Ujiri? What are you doing, Raptors front office, to get significantly better? I want to win now. I'm tired of being patient. I want to win now. The Leafs are making big moves. You make a big move. And I don't know what that can be. But if you're going to move those pieces out, one or more, what are you replacing them with to get better now? To get to the finals, to get to the conference finals, to take that next step. Producer Sean Lavery, how are you voting, buddy? What are you thinking on the Raptors next year? With, granted, some moves to be made, but as it stands now, and with the thought of Toronto is likely not going to be making any humongous splash moves, more side pieces, this team as a whole is probably going to look relatively similar, give or take, to what it was last year. I'm on the early playoff exit. Um, Mm. Up until this past spring, my thought process on the Washington Capitals was they're going to be the choking team until they prove me otherwise. And so... I'm kind of in the same boat with the Raptors. Now the Capitals were able to overcome all their all their demons and, and win the cup this year. So I mean there's hope for the Raptors for sure. But until they prove me otherwise, I'm kind of in the early playoff exit boat. Yeah. It, it's fair. Right? Like if you think different, the only really issue you could point to is that LeBron James isn't there. And that's been the kryptonite for everybody, not just the Raptors. I'm not gonna dump on the Raptors for losing to LeBron. Everybody lost to LeBron because he got to what, eight straight NBA Finals. Everybody did. But now that he's gone, there's no excuses. So what are you going to do? I'm going to say my expectations is Conference Finals. That doesn't mean that I think as they're built that they will get there, but those are my expectations based on LeBron being out of the East and the window being right now for the Raptors. I have faith in Masai Ujiri. Can he do it? 
But my expectations, minimum, is getting to the conference finals and making a go of it. Keith's right. Depends who you match up against. If you get an unlucky matchup at the, the start, okay. However, you were the first overall seed last year. People should be afraid of you. No more. I'm, you know, I'm taking that off. I don't care about the matchup. You should be. LeBron James is out. You should be the favorite. You got the horses. You have the great regular season. So what is going to happen for the Raptors? Again, Josh Bloomberg at 11.45. You can vote in our Twitter poll at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. And uh, give your thoughts on what the Raptors should be doing. Now, uh, we'll go to the Blue Jays here for a moment. 8-6 winners over the New York Mets. Jose Bautista got a nice ovation yesterday returning. There you go, Jose. Little Jose chance. Had a couple at bats. Got a hit. Three walks. Not bad still. And that's with Jose Bautista. This is something that I don't think is commented on enough. His eye for the ball. That is something. Now, if you're batting, he's batting 223, but he's been, I think, average 250 since going over to the Mets. Now, as long as he can still hit to a degree and his power is still there to a point, his eye for the ball, walking, getting on base is vital because the Mets might look to trade him off for somebody to a contender for bench depth. You're not bringing in a contender's not saying, okay, hey, I'm bringing in Jose and this is this is it. All right, we pop him out in right field. No, you're bringing in Jose for a depth bat. But if a contender does that, then what is what a pickup for the Mets then? Picked him off the heap, right? Garbage heap and cleaned them all up and shuffled them out the door and got something in return. That'd be great. And for Jose Bautista with the eye, he's got the experience, can help. Younger players out too, right? Like there, there is still value in Jose Bautista. There is. Other storylines from around the world of sports. We got the Carolina Hurricanes signing defenseman Calvin DeHaan to a four-year contract worth $18.2 million. And DeHaan coming off of a, an injury. But a nice, steady guy. That's the type of guy that I would like the Maple Leafs to get as a back end. Nobody's throwing a parade for Calvin DeHaan coming to town. And again, he is coming off an injury. But that type of presence on the blue line that could be steady. I don't mind having boring guys. I don't need more flashy goal scorers on defense. Someone who's going to protect Freddie, solidify it up. That's the type of signing we want. Leafs also trading forward Matt Martin to the Islanders to Lou Lamorello for goalie prospect Iman McAdam. So, sweet Lou adding Uncle Leo. Now adding Matt Martin, adding some grit after Kyle Dubis scooped him for John Tavares. That still blows me away, man. That's still I still can't believe that Kyle Dubas and company outwitted Lou Lamorello. That's great. Boy, what a start for Kyle Dubas. Toast of the town, man. This is excellent. Now, speaking of JT, John Tavares was on overdrive yesterday addressing the Toronto fans. Ryan Hayes chatted with him. Um, so here's a couple sound clips from John Tavares. And he uh, Tavares started by saying, hey, I didn't come here necessarily to be a savior. You know, I wasn't coming here to, to be some type of savior, uh, if that's the right phrase or the right thing to say. I was just coming in to join a really good young uh, group of players that uh, have done so much already uh, and obviously are on a great track and I can come in and and, uh, be a big part of that and and try to help out. JT, I get it. You know, it's a lot of pressure. You never want to call yourself the savior. 
but you're you're the savior. Come on. When John Tavares signed, that's the missing piece. Now, JT on his own isn't enough. That's the big difference between hockey and basketball. John Tavares, one of the best in the world, on a crappy Islanders team, couldn't do squat. Hockey's more of a true team. Whereas, we saw LeBron James take a cast of misfits in the Cavs to the finals the last two years. That's what he was able to do. Especially this group, what LeBron was able to do. Wow. But Tavares, while the savior might be looked at as, okay, him alone as part of this group, he is the missing piece. He is that elite level guy to help put this Leaf team over the top. So uh, Ray Ferraro also um, was on overdrive and was saying, you know what, to get Tavares, pretty much a no-brainer. For me, it's not even a question. It's just now you've got him. And the first thing I thought of immediately was, remember when Colorado signed Tamu Solani and Paul Correa for the one year? Yeah. That seemed at that time like they were going to win the cup for sure. Now, they only had one year, and it went south, and then there was a lockout. But it, just because you put the piece there doesn't mean it's going to work. But you've got to take the swing. And Exactly. right. This is all on paper right now. Ray Ferraro there on overdrive. This is all on paper. You have to worry about injury, personalities, blending, and all that. But I don't know about you. Do you get the feeling this was the move? This Now the mindset on this team in that organization is let's add the pieces to win. Bring in stars. Bring in contributors, game changers to win. And once you get, that's contagious, once you get that winning mentality in the room, that that's the goal. It's no longer getting to the playoffs. It's no longer overcoming a playoff drought. It's to win a title, to win a championship. That's powerful. And that means even, like, look at the New England Patriots in the NFL. They've been able to bring in problem attitude guys year after year, and they fall into line because they want to win a championship. That's the power of that. Now, there's, by all accounts, there's no real big personality problems on the Maple Leafs. But even if you had a little bit of ego, it's okay. What are we trying to do here? Trying to win a title. Trying to win a championship. And that's what JT does. Uh, John Tavares on Overdrive uh, talked about uh, the Leafs' challenges. Obviously, there's been a lot of positives, but, you know, what are some of the challenges the team has had? Where, you know, where can the team get better? And, and then I can take some of that information and understand, you know, okay, maybe I can help with that. Or, you know, that's, that's, that, that's something that shouldn't be too much of a hurdle for the team to overcome. I think you try to get a really broad view and understanding of all those things. And that was all part of the process with John Tavares, being methodical, taking his time. He could have gone anywhere. right? If he didn't want the media attention, go to San Jose. They have a real good team there. Probably for more money. He left money on the table. That's what keeps coming back to me to stand out. Left money on the table. So what does that tell us about John Tavares? It's not all about the money. All the pressure in the world here. All eyes are going to be on him. Now, you get to share some of that with Austin Matthews, the pressure. But eyes are on Tavares. He chose to come here anyway. He chose to come home and save you or not. Use whatever word you want. His goal is to win a title and go legend here in Toronto. <laughs> Freddie the Goat. Hey, hey, you know what? Freddie the Goat might get a chance this year. Are we done with Freddie Goche? I'm, uh, I, I think his time has passed personally. But you know what? We're going to ask Scott Wheeler that in about 10 minutes time. Covers the Toronto Marlies. 
Maybe he's seeing something out of Freddie the Goat. And that's that type of pick. And Freddie, by all great guy, Freddie the Goat. But that's the old type of Maple Leafs first-round pick, isn't it? A first-round pick, and the upside is a fourth-line center grinder who likes puzzles. That's an old-school Maple Leafs pick. That's in, the, that, that's in the before time for the Maple Leafs. What does this team do? Winners. Now, they also had higher picks, and you know that also helps. But Freddie Goche, I don't think, is going to be the answer as a contributor on a team whose expectations went from just getting into the playoffs and maybe winning a round to getting to the conference finals or better. We now have to be, just like with the Raptors, with the Maple Leafs, I think we have to be a little greedy as Leaf fans. I want better than Freddie Goche. I want it all as a Leaf fan. I want all of it. All of it. I want the best. People dump on super teams. That's if you're not a fan of the super team. Give me a super team. As close as you can get in a salary cap strap NHL. You'll never get quite to the point of the NBA because of that. But I want better. I want the best as a Leaf fan. Let's go. Let's do it. Come on. We'll get into who some of those Marley prospects might be. The bottom six is interesting. And of course, the back end, the defense in front of Freddie Anderson, and the Gareth Sparks issue. What do you do with them? Guys, MVP, goalie of the year, whatever, win the Calder Cup. Where do you put them next year? Is it something you have to balance of, all right, well, if we plan on playing Freddie Anderson uh, 68, 70 games, is it worth bringing him up? Or, if you have Sparks and you feel he is NHL ready, is it now something where you can say, okay, let's limit the workload of Freddie Anderson, maybe play him 50 games, 55, something like that. Lower amounts and have Sparks as an actual contributor. Now, the opposite end of that is, does that disrupt momentum as far as a goaltender getting into a groove day by day? Do you have Russ? Are you if you have two goaltenders? Do you have no goaltenders? The old saying, right? Like, where's that balance? What do you do with Garrett Sparks? It's a nice problem to have. Curtis McElhaney as well, of course, floating around there. What are you going to do with him? Could one of them be trade bait? Maybe with a William Nylander to get a defender. So many different options. We'll talk about that with Scott Wheeler after the break. Marlies, Leafs, Raptors. Big show here on Toronto today. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter at AndyMC81 at TSN 1050 Radio. You can get me on Instagram as well at AndyMC Sports. And that's that's where we have to see how do those goals from JVR get replaced. Is it by committee? Is it one guy? Is that even possible? And don't get me wrong. I feel that was the right move to get rid of Van Riemsdyk because 29 years old, five-year deal, you don't want to do that. So he's going back to Philly. And remember, folks, get out of your vehicle lease ASAP. Over 200,000 customers per month looking to take over your lease. What a relief. Go to leasebusters.com. That's leasebusters.com. Let's bring in from the Athletic Toronto. Covers the Marlies and the Maple Leafs. Scott Wheeler. Scott, how's it going? 
It's going well. How are you? Doing well, man. And uh, listen, have you wrapped your head around that John Tavares is coming to the Maple Leafs? He's coming home. The new world order of Leafs hockey has begun. Is this like I talk to fans and and many people, Scott, are telling me like they're they're still trying to figure it out. Where are you at with it? Um, I think I've wrapped my head around it. It'll be weird probably up until he, he sort of throws on a jersey, and we don't know whether that will have a letter on it yet, but ah. I would not be shocked at all if it had a C on it when, when training camp wraps up and opening night rolls around and all of that. And I think that will be weird for people, especially because there hasn't been a captain in this city since Finesse, and it's been a few years mm. now, and everybody's kind of been waiting for that shoe to drop, and, and I wouldn't be shocked if it's Tavares. Uh, just as far as him coming uh, uh, I wasn't shocked by it when it happened in particular. I knew that the Leafs were a serious option, and he's a good fit with, with the program. So, no, no, I'm I'm not all that shocked by it at this point. I'm just really looking forward to, to covering this team and, and seeing how far they can go. I think they've got a real shot at winning a Stanley Cup in oh the boy. next few years. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, Scott, that was it's funny you bring up the captaincy. That was our TSN 1050 Twitter poll question yesterday of who should be the next captain, Matthews, Tavares, or... No captain right now, and keep going with the with the alternates. In in, and I think this gets to be more important for fans and media, maybe more so than the guys in the locker room. But do you see there being a captain like that? That it will be JT, or or is going with Matthews, or or nobody at all, and just seeing how things develop the right route. Well, first of all, I think you're absolutely right about it meaning more to fans and media and, and symbolism than it does to the players in the room. I think they know who the leaders are. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been shocked if Tavares didn't come, if the Leafs still named a captain, and it wasn't Matthews either. I, I think that they really like Morgan Riley as a leader in that mm-hmm. room, and I wouldn't have been at all surprised if Morgan Riley somewhere along the line were named a captain. Um, but now that they have Tavares, I just feel like it has to be him. I mean, he's committed to seven years here. He has been a captain elsewhere. I, I think they've always wanted, as as much as the fans and the media want it to be Austin Matthews, I think they've always wanted to take it slower with him than some other markets have with their young stars, like in Chicago and Edmonton and that kind of thing. And I just don't think Matthews particularly wants it, not to say that he wouldn't love to be the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs and that he's not a leader in that dressing room, but uh, he just strikes me as the kind of guy who, who enjoys kind of living a little bit off of the limelight. He's not particularly friendly with the media and that kind of thing, which you need to be to be the captain in Toronto. So I think Tavares just becomes a natural fit that makes a lot of sense. And that's part of the reason why I love this Tavares signing as well is because it takes pressure off of both guys, right? Like you, right. It, on, on Long Island, it was Tavares. It was, it was, for the most part, it was, it was just him, all the focus. But here, if Matthews is in a slump or vice versa with Tavares, you have somebody else. You have another game-changing star. So I think bringing Tavares in, that that's, that's a, a benefit just from that standpoint, just from a pressure standpoint. Absolutely, and, and it, I think it's not just Matthews, but it, it allows Nylander, who loves to sure. in the shadows, more mm-hmm. so than any of those three big guys to do that. And it, it takes a little bit of pressure off of Mitch Marner and just all of them. I think it, you'll feel it down, up and down the lineup just as far as it, it, there's no one guy. Even Tavares, I think it's clear to Tavares that he doesn't have to be the guy. He doesn't have to be the savior. This was a very good team before he got here. They were going to be a very good team without him. And he maybe takes them up a, a sort of tier and puts them in that upper echelon with 
the Tampas and the Winnipegs as one of the true contenders in the league. But uh, I think they were on a path to getting there regardless. And, and I think he recognizes that. I think they all recognize that. And this just puts them in a position where they can look at themselves and, and look at that locker room and say, hey, in any seven-game series against any team in this league, we've got a really good chance. In conversation with Scott Wheeler, covers the Marlies and the Maple Leafs for the Athletic Toronto on Twitter, at Scott C. Wheeler. Okay, Scott, so now, it, with all the hype of John Tavares, the Leafs did lose some pieces. You lost Tyler Bozak, which, with Tavares and how thick they are up the middle now, not maybe not the biggest problem, but James Van Riemsdyk, 36 goals gone, and with the Marlies doing so well, winning the Calder Cup, now we're seeing the last couple of years that that influx of youth and that rotation of, okay, youth into vets, and it's the Maple Leaf way. Not to say one guy is going to be able to do it immediately, but who do you think is most likely to be able to come up from the Marlies and at least contribute to help replace those 36 goals? It's interesting because I think where it will be most felt is is on the power play. I think you can look at players like Andreas Janssen and Kasperi Kapanen, and I think if you plug them with any of those three centers, that they're going to put up some points. I think the same will be true for Connor Brown, who had a little bit of a down year last year. I think with more ice time with good players at even strength, they won't be able to match what JVR brought. JVR is one of the true scoring left wingers on the planet and, and really is going to leave a significant hole there. But I think where it will most be felt is on the power play. And um, I, I wrote about this a little bit earlier this week, but I think Tavares works really well as sort of a high slot guy. JVR was always a low net front guy. I, I think they play completely different roles on the power play. You're going to have to ask Mitch Marner to be as good as he's been on the power play. You're going to have to ask William Nylander and Austin Matthews, who kind of struggled on the power play last yeah. year. Matthews has always done the bulk of his scoring at even strength. You're going to need them to become big power play threats. And then as far as the Marlies go, I mean, there isn't a lot there. After Andreas Johnson, who is absolutely a lock to play in the top nine, I suspect uh, the three left wings that they will roll out will be Marlo, Hyman, and, and Johnson. It doesn't really matter which of those three centers they play with. I think they'll all be productive. I think Johnson has more offensive flair than uh, Hyman does, but Hyman has already found a great fit in that top nine. Um, I, I really like Andres Johnson. I, I think he can be a scorer. He's one of the fastest players in the organization. He works hard. He gives Babcock a puck retriever on any line because he's so good defensively, and he gives him kind of that defensive calming presence with a high-scoring center and or even opposite of a winger like a Mitch Marner or a William Nylander to kind of settle them down and provide a sort of calming defensive zone presence on that line. So um, it'll be an interesting dynamic. You're not going to replace JVR's goal output, especially on the power play. He's one of the best power play threats in the league. He does an incredible job redirecting and tipping pucks and all of that that we've seen over the last few years. So they they will feel it there, but I think the the boost that you're going to get from Tavares and the bolstered play that you're going to get from a player like Andreas Johnson, who I truly do believe can be a 40 or 50 point player offensively, will at least help to alleviate some of that pressure from some the big guys needing to step up. And last one for you here, Scott, and it's a big one, because what to do with Garrett Sparks? What a season he had. He's an absolute stud. Maple Leafs, of course, have Freddie Anderson as the starting goaltender. But now the question is, okay, do you keep him in the HL? Seems like he's done everything there. Do you bring him up as a backup, or do you look for more of a split? How, how do you think this will play out with what to do with Garrett Sparks? 
Well, if it were me, I would pencil him in as the backup and, and play him on back-to-backs and see whether he can take on more of a burden outside of back-to-backs than they have trusted Curtis McElhaney to. But Curtis McElhaney, to his credit, played really well. He played a lot better last season than I expected him to. I expected at his age that he wasn't going to continue to have the success that he had the year prior. That wasn't the case. Babcock is obviously extremely comfortable with McElhaney, so it creates a real issue because I think Babcock probably wants McElhaney back as his backup because there's a comfort level there and a trust factor there that he doesn't have with any of the other goalies in the organization. And I think Kyle Dubas, who has invested five years into Garrett Sparks, recognizes that Garrett Sparks will almost certainly not clear waivers. They can't afford to give him away for nothing after they've spent so much time on him. And he was, without a shadow of a doubt, the best goalie in the AHL last year. So I I suspect that they'll find a way to, to insert Sparks into the lineup as the backup. And then things get tricky. If they don't do that, they have to trade him. I'm not sure whether there's going to be a huge market for him. We'll see. There are goal-tending tandems that could use a little bit of insulation, like in Carolina, even after they signed Peter Mrazek. So there are options out there for him. Um, but Sparks should not go back to the AHL. I think he's proven he's too good for the league as far as just being a bona fide starter there for three or four consecutive seasons, even with injury troubles sort of splattered in between. And I, I think his time now has come where he has earned a chance to, to be a backup in the NHL, and, and that puts them in a tough spot with McElhaney, who has played quite well over the last couple of years. Depth at center, depth at goaltending, good times for the Maple Leafs. Scott, thank you so much. Cheers. Anytime. All right. Scott Wheeler covers the Toronto Marlies and the Maple Leafs for the Athletic Toronto on Twitter at Scott C. Wheeler. We get into some Raptors talk. What are your expectations for the Toronto Raptors next season? LeBron is gone. Out of the East. No excuses. I talk to Josh Bloomberg, our TSN 1050 Raptors reporter, next on Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara. Follow us on Twitter. At TSN 1050 Radio, at AndyMC81. You can get me on Instagram as well, at AndyMCSports. Bringing in the real Raptors reporter, Josh Lewenberg for TSN 1050. Josh, y'all pumped up? You ready to jump in a ring after hearing that Hogan theme song? <laughs> you know how to lead into a second, Andy <laughs> Mac. I'll tell you that. I do. Yes, yes. Uh, you know what? It's uh, it's Fourth of July. There's fireworks south of the border and in the free agency. Josh, of 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 wow! Like this is. A whole new conversation with the Raptors in the Eastern Conference, and where people are dumping on, oh, well, the, the Warriors got Cousins and LeBron there. I think what's being missed a lot of is how exciting and wide open the East can be to a certain ex- extent. Now, there's no more excuses for the Raptors or anybody else, right? LeBron's gone. Let's go. Like, it, it's wide open to me. Yeah, I mean, the obvious teams that come to mind in terms of the new top tier of the East are the Raptors. Uh, the Celtics and the Sixers in no particular order, of course, if we're going to order it. I think right now most people would say it's Boston, Philadelphia, Toronto as these teams currently stand, although the Raptors probably feel differently about that. But if we're zooming out here and looking at the Eastern Conference as a whole, there are probably at least eight teams in the conference, maybe even more than that, that were pretty delighted to see the news on Sunday that LeBron is going west, at least eight teams that have to feel that their odds of getting to the NBA Finals went up significantly because after those three teams who are probably a piece away from really separating themselves, I mean, the teams in that second tier are pretty intriguing as well. Indiana improving last year with Victor Oladipo taking that next step. Of course, Milwaukee has a new head coach and Mike Budenholzer and hey, now that LeBron is out west, 
it's pretty hard to argue that anyone other than Giannis Adetokounmpo is the best player in the East. Yeah. Uh, you, you've got Detroit now with Dwayne Casey, and certainly if they stay healthy, they'll be interesting. Washington, as long as they have that backcourt, is always interesting. And Dwight Howard, he should be an interesting fit there with a the team that, hey, and nobody liked each other in that locker room before anyway. So <laughs> good choice for Dwight. Uh, the East is going to be fun. I know people, myself included, are a little bit uh, disillusioned by what's going on in the West with Golden State. The rich getting even richer after the DeMarcus Cousins signing. And there is that feeling that while things were predictable last year, they might be even more predictable now in terms of the result and the playoffs. And, and um, But... We knew that this part of the year would be unpredictable. The offseason is always the most fun part of the NBA schedule. It's been pretty crazy up to this point. There's still a lot more to go. And as you said, I think even if we're looking ahead and thinking, oh, well, we, we have a pretty good idea who's, who's going to win this thing, if nothing else, the East is going to be a lot of fun. Exactly. And that's where I think the real competitive balance comes in. We're actually going to get – Parody and at least fifty percent of the NBA final won't be known, so that'll be a nice, nice little bit of, of, of refreshing for for NBA fans. Well, the, the caveat is, Andy, uh, as as you know, it, it's still so early, right? Oh, and as yeah, I said, yeah. there are a, a few teams in the East that feel like they're one piece away from separating themselves, and a couple of those teams, Boston and Philly, have the assets to go out and make that move and get that one more player, and that's why I say right now. This looks like a wide-open Eastern Conference. That being said, I mean, Boston is a really interesting team. They have been for years in the sense that they've got more assets to work with than any team I can remember in recent history. And now, of course, they've turned some of those assets into pieces like Kyrie and like Gordon Hayward. And if that team gets healthy, they're going to be really good. If that team gets healthy and, let's say, hypothetically adds Kawhi Leonard, Hmm. all of a sudden that's a team that not just pulls away in the Eastern Conference, but I think that's a team that gives the Warriors uh, more of a fight than maybe even the Rockets. I mean, we're looking at a team then, let's say they give up Jalen Brown and, and some prospects or some picks. That's Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, uh, Jason Tatum, and Kawhi Leonard. That's pretty darn good. Sure. Oh, yeah. You'd have the as close as you're going to get to a super team in the East off of that. Now, Josh, that being said, for the Raptors and Raptors fans, I was talking off the top, and people are tweeting in as well and saying, listen, we're, we're tired of the excuses of LeBron. That's gone. What can the Raptors do to be better? And if you move a piece, if you move a JV, a Baca, whoever, can the Raptors do anything to make a noticeable jump forward? Because I'm getting the feeling like it's more just kind of, okay, we're going to build uh, character guys like around just little pieces, but nothing that is really going to move the needle. Can they do anything to move the needle in the East and make the Raptors really up there with uh, either the Celtics 76ers? No, the Raptors are, are the wild card in the Eastern Conference right now in the sense that we don't really know what they're thinking or what they're planning or, or how they plan on approaching the rest of this summer in the sense that we're not getting the same, or I'm not getting the same sense from them in the past that continuity is the plan. They're going to stick with continuity. I mean, that might be the case, but certainly from what we've heard from a number of reporters, as well as what I'm hearing behind the scenes, is that the Raptors 
are willing to make moves here, that they're not as committed to sticking with the core and sticking with continuity as they have been in the past. Everyone on the roster is available at the right price. But at the right price, I think, it is what is holding them back a little bit here because they're not just looking, at least in, I was going to say they're not looking to make change just for the sake of making change. That did seem to be the case a little bit with Dwayne Casey in mm. terms of the roster. I mean, they've got a lot invested in these guys, and they still like these guys. It's one thing if they didn't like Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, then it would be easy to just ship them out for whatever. You get right. back a pick or, or a, a prospect. Uh, if you're just looking to trade those guys, they've got enough value that you can just trade them. But if the goal here for the Raptors is to remain competitive, and let's face it, it is right now. That's what we've been hearing, and, and it should be now that LeBron is gone, especially now that LeBron is gone, that there's that window of opportunity. So now the question is, how do you get better? And that's, I think, what makes moves really difficult at this point. One, because you don't have the same kind of assets that Boston and Philadelphia have. I mean, they've got good young players, the Raptors do. The, the whole Most of the, the bench that was arguably the best in the NBA last year is filled with young talent, plus you've got OG Ananobi. But those guys are not on the level that... Uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum sure. are, are at, or even the, the Sixers' young players. Um, those are the type of guys that are going to go out and get you a superstar. That and the, the draft pick that Boston is still working with uh, probably belong to Sacramento this year, so that's going to be a good pick. Uh, the Raptors, they're probably not going to go out and get a superstar, at least not add a superstar to their core. If they want to make a big move here, and it's possible that they do, it's got to be through a trade, and it's got to be with Lowry or DeRozan. Maybe Valanciunas or Ibaka get you something, but that's really what we're looking at here for the Raptors if they're going to make a shakeup. I know some people are like, oh, well, what, well, why aren't they doing anything here? They did basically all we expected them to do in the first few days of free agency, re-sign Fred Van Vliet. They don't have money to go out and sign players. So if the Raptors are going to be active here this summer, and they still might be, it might take a little bit of time because they've got to do it in the trade market, and it takes time for the trade market to open up. It's probably going to be once some of these bigger-name free agents continue to come off the market, that's when teams really look to add via trade. Boy, it's going to be a fun offseason. Masai Ujiri is going to be earning his money, man. Josh, thank you so much. All right, Andy. Talk to you soon. All right, that is Josh Lewenberger, TSN 1050 Raptors reporter. A must-follow on Twitter, at JLU1050. After the Sports Center update, Gregor Chisholm from MLB.com, Blue Jays reporter. Update on Marcus Estrada's health. Also, the return of Joey Bats. Lots of Blue Jays talk. Top of the hour here on Toronto Today.